Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. Here is Husker 24-7 senior writer, Brian Christofferson. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a little bit of a circus act. Brian Christofferson. Well, I mean, that's that's pretty interesting. Brian Christofferson. <laughs> I, I kind of enjoy that. Here is Brian Christofferson. Kicking off our number three here on Herd Out Sports Radio. We're on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. And for hour number three, we're on KFOR in Lincoln. We're brought to you by the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Remember, using your seatbelt saves lives and prevents injuries, but only if it is worn properly. Make it click. A message from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Joining us now on the Warhorse Sportsbook Hotline is Brian Christofferson from Husker 24-7. BC, what's going on, man? Uh, everything, but that's all right. <laughs> Good morning, BC. Speaking of everything, I, I, I think we're, we're right on top of this. Just in the last few minutes, it sounds like Larry Tarver, uh, former Maryland commit, has officially flipped to Nebraska. Yeah, kind of an expected flip, but we still are able to label it a flip, I think, um, by definition, and that's always fun on signing day to call those signing day flips. So, yeah, he had visited Nebraska um, in the fall, and it sounded kind of encouraging. And in the last week or so, it really picked up steam that there was a good chance um, Nebraska was going to get them. But, um, you know, they continue to bulk up um, with some athletes and back-end guys in that defense. I think Evan Cooper's really sort of uh, – um, he, he's, he's up the competition in that, in that room um, with some of these late additions we're going to see. Yeah, BC, it seems like they've added about a million different guys in that defensive backfield over the last class or so. Um, so the competition is going to be high for sure. Um, what do you know about Larry Tarver just as a prospect? He's uh, about a 5'11 corner out of Miami, Florida, as I mentioned, previously committed to Maryland. Yeah, well, he's a great – I mean, these are all good athletes, but he's a great athlete down in that talent-rich area, as you mentioned, in Miami where there's – 
you know, even the guys who aren't the first, the first people you notice at the camp because maybe their measurables aren't six two or six three at that corner spot or whatever, that they're still freaks. And um, he's got a lot of talent. It should tell people something that Maryland was in on him because it was, you know, whatever your thoughts are on Maryland's program, they've they've built it up nicely under Loxley, and they get a lot of dudes, you know, who are really good at skill spots and um, in the in the defensive backfield. So. Um, the fact that that was the other candidate here tells you something. Uh, nice, nice addition to just add to the competition, and I think Bly Hill is too. The the portal corner they got out of uh, St. Francis, PA, um, FCS school. So he still has three years to play. So it's not like he's just a one and done or anything like that. And um, as you think about Nebraska secondary next year, we, we I, we've talked about it before. We love the safety spots with. You know, Buford and uh, hopefully a healthy Deshaun Singleton and Gifford back at the Rover. Uh, but you got to replace Quentin Newsom. Hartzog had his ups and downs, if we're honest. And um, Tommy Hill was coming on late. But you, you're, you're hoping you can find, you know, a two deep at that cornerback spot that you really you can really trust and um, can shut some people down. And so they've definitely attacked it. Man, you have my uh, my brain going here. BC, I have like I feel like three questions wrapped into one, but I'm gonna I'm gonna start short or start small here. Um, the first one being on that on that Bly Hill edition, um, I you know I've I've seen a little bit of his film. I don't know how much you've watched, but seems like he could work on his first step a little bit. But he does have some good length, some good speed, and then uh, a follow up to that as you as you look at that defensive back position that that group, uh, we know that. Caleb Benning signed over to Nebraska yep. this morning as well. How quickly do you see a guy like Caleb finding his way onto the field? So if you could start with Hill, if you know anything about him, if not, totally fine. It's pretty new. It's pretty fresh. But we've seen Caleb play for the last four seasons and know what he can offer. Well, Hill's dad, uh, Leroy Hill, played in the NFL for the Seahawks and spent some, I think it was like eight years in the league. <clears throat> so he's got really good genes. As you mentioned, he's he's got length. He's 6'3". There's not a ton of film on him, um, even huddle highlights, because, um, I, you know, he's, he was kind of an under-the-radar guy um, out of Baltimore originally. But it probably tells you something that Nebraska handpicked him the way they did and Evan Cooper really specializes in that so you sort of have to trust his evaluation on it and also the genes and all that it it seems like a good fit uh we'll see um as far as Caleb um you know Caleb um is just I Bo Pelini and coaches like to say he's a football player they always say that just like and you're like yeah I got that but we we know what that means. Caleb's just one of those guys you could you could roll it out and play in the parking lot on a Tuesday, and he he'd perform and be one of the best guys. He just has a knack for making plays. So I never discount what he can get done and how quickly he can get it done. Um, and obviously, you know, knowing his dad and just the background he has of knowing the game, um, he's going to be a quick study. You know, so you, you can't count him out. And I always think the secondary is a position where Sometimes guys can emerge pretty fast as a freshman. Like Dwight Boodle, I think, would have had a say more in things if he hadn't been injured this year. He was a guy they really liked, and he came on fast. So he's an example of how quickly it can sometimes come for a guy in the secondary. 
Uh, BC, another, you know, quote-unquote flip that has happened this morning is Vincent Shavers. He had decommitted from Miami a couple days ago, was on campus with Rayola this past weekend. How big of a pickup is Vincent Shavers for Nebraska? Um, I love Shavers as a prospect. He's got really great closeout speed. Um, you know, just one of those Miami athletes again. Uh, this this staff hit the Miami-Florida area hard in December. They were down there uh, making sure they had their commitments sewn up with guys like Ja'Cory Barney and all that. Um, but they were also looking, um, I think, knocking on the doors of some other guys. And, and Shavers is one of them that they've been interested in. They got him here for a weekend visit. He had been committed to Miami up until, like, the end of last week. Mm-hmm. I think it was just sort of a numbers game with Miami as to why that they parted ways, and we're seeing that at a lot of schools nowadays where um, they build up their class. I think we're seeing it in Nebraska a little bit, and then some guys just have to fall off at the end. But I don't think he's a lesser player by any means, and he comes in at a linebacker spot where um, Nebraska's going to need um, – to, to bulk it up a bit you know you're you're kind of entering that era post uh henrich and reimer uh where you've got to uh find some guys it's great that john bullock's coming back for sure mm-hmm. but some young players are going to need to kind of get in the mix and i i think that's probably enticing the shavers i know they love the visit i've talked a little with his dad and just how you know football centric this place is but also there had to be appeal like hey the door is open for you to come and try to, you know, work your way on the 2D pretty fast here. And the, that could be pretty appealing, especially if you're a defender. Is like, I could maybe do that. And, oh, yeah, they were really good last year on that side of the ball. That's an exciting defense to play in. So I think Tony White's got a lot to sell right now. BC, we had this question pop up on the show earlier and um, unfortunately haven't gotten to it just yet. But I think, you know, talking about it with you will be the perfect time. This question coming over from Heath in our 7 o'clock hour. Um, you know, we, we spoke a lot with, with Caleb and, and Carter Nelson um, before we really got into um, more signing day talk and asking them about their relationships with this coaching staff and both of them brought up how like coach rule just was really a man of his word and then Keith asked this question on the heels of Dylan Rayola saying in an interview that the thing he loves most about coach rule is he connects with his players do you think that's more telling of coach rule or more telling of the universities that passed on Dylan Rayola oh that's a good question um I don't know on the uh, on what else happened outside of our bubble. I do know, um, you know, like with George and Ryle and all that stuff. I don't know for sure, so I can't speak. I'd just be talking out of turn. I do know that persistence matters, and making someone feel wanted um, is is going is going to win you. Uh, guys like Ryle on days like today, it's also going to win you guys in this day and age a couple years down the road sometimes. Like, this is an era in college football where there's some guys um, who are signing elsewhere today, but if Rule and this staff is as good at relationship building as I think they are, you never know what might come around if they need to plug in a guy from the portal here or there a year or two from now because they already had a relationship from recruiting him in this cycle. And so all that stuff matters. And all I know with Dylan Ryla 
is that a year ago um, at this time, I thought Nebraska was dead in the water with him. And uh, I thought the relationship had flown with the previous staff. I thought they'd, they'd butchered it. And um, it was it was rule on his staff that, that laid a foundation in that first month they were here. And they had all their assistant coaches go and visit him in January. Um, you know, no other staff had done that. Um, obviously, his uncle's a coach, so that m- means something. We can't play naive about it. But... Um, I think that that first month on the job, we, we'd be remiss to not go back and say that Rule and his staff um, sort of recalibrated um, the Riola situation with Nebraska that gave them a chance in this final month to, to ha- have happen what happened. Well, BC, to be fair, we're talking with Brian Christopherson from Husker 24-7. That wasn't just your perception of the, re- of the situation, right? Like, the previous staff did butcher that relationship. Like, that's not a... That's not really a, a secret at this point, right? Like, that's, that's the actual position they were in. Well, yeah, I, 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 think, I don't think it, it went well at the top with, uh, with the head man, uh, last, the last head man and, and the recruitment of him. But, you know, what's done is done, and they, there was time to, to, to get that one off the ground again, and this, this new staff did, did a good job with it. Um, so, yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think Rule – Definitely, um, everybody's talked about the last month with Riola, and for fair reason, there's probably a book to be written there um, if you know if you knew everything. But the first month um, of it was uh, with Rule joining the Husker staff, and and the way they got after that recruitment, I think is just as pivotal um, in how this turned out. Uh, BC, speaking of Dylan Riola and and how things might turn out. How much do you think his impact could have on the 2025 class? I know he committed probably a little too late to have a huge impact on this year's class, but as you look forward, do you expect Nebraska to get a bump from the from the presence of Dylan Rayola in next year's class? Um, I think they will if uh, you know if he's a part of it you know, maybe the starter plays a lot in 24 and it's just really looking good. Like, okay, they got their QB at Nebraska. Look how that offense is starting to hum a little bit. He throws the ball downfield. Um, you might get some skill guys who say, I'll, yeah, I'll jump on board with that. This guy's got a few more years there. Um, let's ride. And um, n- no doubt that could have an impact. Now we got to see how it plays out, you know, over the spring and fall with the with Dylan, because a, a year from now is a long time. I mean, if if, if somehow uh, something happens and someone else is starting or, you know, wins the competition or they whatever, I know that it seems like it's not going to happen to people right now, but I kind of want to wait to see how it plays out. Um, then, then maybe it's not going to mean as much with next year's class as far as Dylan Ryle's, the Dylan Ryle factor. So um, definitely something to keep in mind, though. And... Um, well, I'm on the air, I, I want to bring up Danny Kalen because I was over mm-hmm. at Bellevue mm-hmm. West. And um, I just, just a great, great kid. And I, I appreciate on a day like this, um, you know, that he's having his moment too. And then he, you know, signed the papers and um, is not backing down from a challenge. And I was talking to a couple of his teammates, you know, uh, Isaiah McMorris and McMorris and uh, Davon Hall played with them, and they're like, "That's just how he is." I mean, he's, he's the kind of guy who 
who uh, who lives for that fight, and he loves to compete and loves football, and so he's like, let's go. And so um, I like his mindset, too, as he goes into the competition, and he's enrolling early. So um, you never know how it's going to go, but obviously um, the Dylan Ryle thing has captured the fin- – the uh, imagination of some people and um, nationally too. I don't, I've never seen that uh, nationwide Nebraska recruiting have a player focused on like, uh, like we're seeing with Dylan Ryle. Well, BC, you mentioned that mindset. I brought it up earlier on in the, in the show of how like realistically, I think how D, DK should be thinking is I'm going to develop over these next two, three years, yes, I'm going to compete, but my focus should be on development. Do you think that it should be his mindset too, or do you have uh, a different um, uh, way of, of thinking when it comes to Danny Kalen at Nebraska? I think you just go into it with the thought of, like, I love to always see how I stack up against the best guy. They say this is the best guy. Um, and any competitor is probably thinking to himself deep down, I'd like to prove I'm the best guy. How long that's going to take or if that takes a, a fall or two years or three years, I want to prove that. And, um, you know, it, it's not always settled by recruiting rankings. Like we sometimes guys are rated really high and someone else ends up being a better player at the next level. So that's always possible and you got to leave that door open. But if I'm if I'm Daniel Kalen, yeah, I'm I'm just going in there like I want to be around the best. This guy is supposedly the best at his position, um, as they say. He's he's been around uh, Dylan Ryle a lot. I mean, he's been around him at Elite Eleven camps, and um, he was here at some Husker camps and stuff like that. So he's seen him. Um, so that's not going to be new. And 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 Daniel knows Chuba and Heinrich from his time, you know, on campus pretty well. I think so. Um, I, I think, uh, and the good thing for Kalen is he's got such a great relationship with so many guys in this class. He's, he's going to feel, um, you know, like he's got some family around him when he gets down there, um, for how he's connected with guys. So, um, I know where everybody thinks it's going to go and how it kind of has this map laid out. Okay. A few years of Ryla, a couple years of Kalen, um, if you're a competitor, you probably view it a little bit differently, and I think we understand that too. We're talking with Brian Christopherson of Husker 24-7. All right, we talked about Larry Tarver and his flip. We talked about Vincent Shavers and his flip. A uh, guy that it wouldn't be a flip, but uh, that you also is kind of projected to be in this class is Amari Sanders. Do you still feel good about Amari ending up with Nebraska today? From what I know, yeah. Um, he's been – a popular crystal ball pick for Nebraska for a while. Um, I think that one um, is going to go Nebraska's way. We'll see for sure. I think it's at 11 when that, when that one goes down. Uh, but, again, he's another another DB. So, I mean, think about if that happens. Um, you got him. You got Tarver. You got Fly Hill. I mean, those are three DB ads today um, to the class to go with, obviously, um, you know, Caleb and – um, I'm leaving people out. There's, but they got a good class of of guys in the secondary, and that's why I think Evan Cooper, we, he has his fingerprints over every Husker class because he's he's so good at analyzing talent and 
Um, I think a lot of the other coaches uh, look his way for that. Uh, but just look at his specific room, um, pretty nice job. And uh, it, it looks even a lot different by tonight than it did uh, a week ago. So um, everybody who's in that room right now, um, you know, they're going to have – there's going to be some new guys that are, are going to be hungry to try to take spots, and that's what you want to do. You want to just keep pushing people. BC, I, uh, I saw this update just about an hour ago, um, and we were talking a little bit about Ryan Wingo and uh, how he hasn't signed yet. And it, uh, an update from, from Chad Simmons on Twitter says schools like Missouri and Nebraska are working late to see if they can flip Wingo from Texas. Uh, Mizzou, being as they are the state school, probably has a better edge than Nebraska, but are you hearing anything on the Ryan Wingo front in connection to Nebraska? Um, I know Schaefer posted something on our board, and he'd been uh, attacking this while I was up here at Bellevue West, and um, I think the belief is it's going to be difficult. So I I think it's kind of a long shot, but it's not over till it's over. And then you, you asked about the Riola effect. Um I mean, if there was one guy who, if Ryola had been committed to Nebraska since, say, May, where maybe you wonder if it would have been different, and I guess it still could be, it would be Wingo. I, I, he visited on that, that trip with all those big-name guys, including Ryola in April or whatever it was, and we always looked at that weekend and said, is this going to be the weekend we always talk about? It didn't end up necessarily being that way, but I guess if, if Wingo somehow flipped, which I'm not saying, I think it's a log shot, but if that somehow happened, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll have to revisit that weekend and what it meant and the connection he had with Ryle and all that stuff. But I know there were people who the last few days have been asking, is there anybody who could flip dramatically on the last day? And he was the one name that sort of just floats out there. So until he signs with somebody, you keep your eye on it, and that's, that's what we're going to do. BC, we've got about three minutes left here with you. Um, who out of the guys we haven't talked about? So we talked about some of the flips in Tarver and Shavers. We've talked a lot about Dylan Riola, talked about Danny Kalin. Outside of those guys that we've talked about, who is somebody in this class that you're really, really excited about? Um, I'm, I'm pretty pumped up about Peters on the O-line. Um, I think he's going to be um, – uh, a, a, a pretty good player. I think Braylon Prude, um, the, the linebacker out of Texas, is an under-the-radar guy. Mm-hmm. Probably doesn't get enough buzz. I think Ja'Cory Barney, who's going to enroll early wide receiver out of Miami, some would say he's not underrated, but I don't think he gets talked about as much as other guys. He's got to bulk up a little bit, but I talked to him last week. He's coming to his idea is he's going to play in 24. That's like one of those, one of those kids who's just like, yeah, I'll be out there sort of deal. So Ja'Cory Barney could be an interesting one to, to follow, but you could do it with this class. It's interesting. There's like 12 to 15 guys you could pick out and someone could say, Oh, that's my under the radar guy. And, um, it, you could, you could make a convincing argument for, um, and it's, kind of the way this staff recruits yes there's the headliners like Riola and all that but they very much trust their own evaluations uh you know Roger Gradney's a guy who he has some four-star status but 
he doesn't get a ton of buzz, and he's just a great athlete that could probably play either side of the ball if you wanted him to. So there's all sorts of guys like that. And then if you want someone who just, like, has proven it this year, Keelan Smith. I wrote about him last night, the mm. player of the year in Missouri. I mean, Neil Smith's son. The year he had as a receiver slash tight end was incredible, leading his team to its first state title. So Keelan Smith, um, as far as guys in this class who had the best senior year, I'd, I'd say he had as good as any. BC, I'm going to try to rush this one in. Got about 30 seconds uh, because I was thinking about this uh, away from Dylan Rayola. Who presented the biggest recruiting battle in your eyes and ended up being the biggest recruiting win because of it? Oh, oh man, that's going to be a hard one. And I'm trying to think. <laughs> Putting you on the spot. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to come up with a good answer on the spot. But and I hear the music, so I'll, I'll think about that for next week. But My man, I'll um, save it. All right, we'll save it. I like this class, and I, I like you guys having me on. I always appreciate it. We appreciate you, BC. That's Brian Christopherson, Husker 24-7. BC, thanks. We uh, won't talk to you next week because we'll be gone, but we will have you. Two weeks. We'll have you back in a couple weeks. Happy holidays, BC. We appreciate you. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. See you, man. That's Brian Christopherson. Coming up next, Andy Kendi from KETV here on Herd Sports Radio.